0: Betting preview podcast from Pregame.com
1: Pregame.com
0: Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip
1: Vegas, baby
0: With your host, RJ Bell I saw him on ESPN
1: Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild Texas at Nebraska, big game on Saturday, and this is Marco's video best bet. He's going for his seventh straight winner without a loss this football season, all for free on our videos here at pregame.tv. Marco, which should bettors be looking at in this game to get your seventh straight win?
0: Well, first off, during this segment, I think out of respect you should refer to me as Mr. D'Angelo because of the 6-0, and oh, but... Is Nebraska you are old enough to be my dad, so,
1: okay, Mr. Oh, D'Angelo. The son
0: I always never wanted. <laughs> All right. All it. right. Is Nebraska overrated now after last week's absolute demolition of Kansas State? I think the market has overpeaked right now. They're, they're as high as they could be. The value is in Texas in this game, and we're going to break it down, and I'll tell you why.
1: All right. Well, i got to tell you, I lean that way, too, and – you know, I tell you, there was a stat. I'm going to hit you with this stat. Now, I'm going to say this. There's a stat you're not going to believe that I pulled out. And, but everything, to me, really, almost everything's lining up on the Texas side, too. But, but I want to make a point about the reaction. So we always talk about it. If the public sees something extreme they overreact to it, especially when they had money on it because it's not just a number on a piece of paper, the L or the W, but it's the fact they actually lost Tangible cash. cash. (laughs) Tangible cash. But I tell you, to me, that makes you want to play on a team that looks horrible typically. There's a reason not to. The reason, too, is the line value. There's a reason not to. Sometimes players quit. Sometimes the coaches get desperate. We've got a team, Texas, that was in the national championship game last year. We've got a coach in Mac Brown that's a legend in Texas. There's no sense of, let's get Mac Brown's head. There's a sense that this is a transition year. This is a rebuilding year. And to me, if you can get the line value... Because of the overreaction, and again, there's an overreaction both ways, is Nebraska looking so good and Texas you know, looking you know, relatively bad against Oklahoma. So, to me, we get the line value without any chance of the team giving up, without any chance of the coach getting desperate. And that's what I love is usually there's a yin and a yang with this stuff. And to me, there's only value here. I couldn't, I hate to
0: say this, and it won't be too often, but... I got to agree with RJ. Um, you're talking right now, as far as Texas and the value in this game, it's the perfect storm to, to have Texas at the highest point of value. Nebraska oh, comes- at the highest point of value. Texas getting the line. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, because Nebraska is at the highest point that they've been all year. The public has bought into this team. They're talking legitimate national championship contender. Here.
1: And here's the thing. They are The preseason line in this game was Nebraska two and a half. This was the closest. Nebraska was projected to be favored in every yep. game this year that's scheduled. That doesn't count the Big Twelve championship game, which not not scheduled yet. That was projected at two and a half. This was going to be a close game, at at almost double digits. Now this may still be their closest game this year. Which and, and again, I haven't done the work to to verify that, but this is one of the, you know a real challenge standing in the way of a national title shot potentially. And
0: on the flip side. The stock couldn't be any lower on Texas. They lost back-to-back games. They lost the, uh, the UCLA game, which everybody was like, oh, my God, what happened? How could they lose to the UCLA in the fashion they did? And we were quick to dismiss it. Hey, they were looking ahead to, to Oklahoma. Well, then they follow that up with a loss to Oklahoma. They've pummeled all the way out of the top 25, and I'll tell you, it might they be the stat. They you, plummeted. They plummeted. <laughs> they, plummeted. Well, they, 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 they fell <laughs> they fell. They got pummeled, and, and they, they plummeted. plummeted. All right. Do you know that they have been in the top 25 in college football for 162 straight weeks until now?
1: Wow. That's 100 years, right? That's, well. Wait, wait, that, uh, I did uh, the math uh, uh, wrong Football real quick. seasons,
0: it's actually 10 football <laughs> seasons, but 162 students. That so it's qu- back
1: to how do they react to it? Do they say, oh, my God, we're a failure, or do they say let's put our nose to the grindstone? This
0: is a situation where having the bye week, and we talk about it in the NFL, that a bye week always benefits a team that's in disarray because they have something to fix. When everything's going wrong and you take a week off, you're not working on fixing anything because what was broke? This was broke. They're going to fix it. The team is embarrassed that they're out of the top 25. Seniors on this team, they're like, they're, we're the first team in 10 years mm. that fell out of the top 25. We also talk about goals. Yes, the national championship is always the first goal. And with a program... And the
1: Texas realistically wasn't looking to that.
0: No, but... They're not, their second goal is not out of reach yet. They, only have, they have two losses. They only have one loss in the Big 12. They run the table in the Big 12. They still can get to the championship game in the Big 12. So this is a situation where you're going to get Texas's best effort. You've got Nebraska now with all eyes on them, carrying the extra weight, as we've talked about, the point spread up to 9.5. I see Nebraska is going to survive this game but this is going to be much closer than anybody expects. Texas still has a great defense, and they've had two weeks to prepare for this Nebraska offense. This thing goes down to the wire. Give wild. us your
1: official projection.
0: Nebraska wins, but by only four, I'm taking the nine and a half with Texas. Texas to keep this close right to the final gun.
1: Okay, so you, as we talked about in the lead, you've won... Every best bet you've given on these videos, six in a row, you're going for seven here. That's awesome. Now each week in one of our best bet videos, either mine or yours, we give a coupon for pregamepros.com where you can get other best bets from you, the guy that had the 25 game baseball winning streak, and other guys we got j.r. J. O'Donnell tearing it red up. hot what, what's he 32 like? and 10 Th- in football 32 and 10 in football, uh, all kind of guys, all kind of free content, but with this10 dollars coupon, you can pretty much get best bets for a few dollars. so give us the information. Well,
0: celebrating the six in a row, the coupon's going to be Marco in the number six all altogether one word. just enter that in the coupon code when you check out, and if it happens to be a $10 package, it's on RJ. It's free.
1: All right. Awesome. Now, I'm going to give you a point that really backs up Texas, and one point that makes me pause just a little bit, though, I certainly... Oh, excuse me. back, Yeah, backs up Texas, but one thing that makes me pause just a little bit when it comes to this this pick. What do you think Texas record ATS is after the Oklahoma game?
0: Um, In theory... Just common sense. Quick, quick, I would please. say it's bad. I
1: would say that you would expect a letdown after such a huge rival. Ten season. and one ATS. It's counterintuitive to me too. Uh, I don't know if they, they they did have a buy this time. I don't know if they always schedule a buy or just to recover or what. But and I don't think that's always the case. But for whatever reason. 10-1 ATS, 11-0 and 0 straight up. They've, they haven't lost in 11 years. That's shocking. It is, but it's an interesting stat that's back in your play. Here's what makes me pause just a little bit. Nebraska has a, the level of fanatic, fanaticism... <laughs> With these fans is, is maybe close to it's up there in the top five in the country. I remember years ago now I went to the Rose Bowl between Miami of Florida and Nebraska in the BCS National Championship Game, and you should have seen it was eight, The crowd was eighty five percent Nebraska. They took over that section of Los Angeles that year. At home they are nineteen and three ATS. 19 and 3 when they're playing a winning road team so really if you're a winning road team in college football you're a good team Mm -hmm. a a winning road team they are 19 and 3 when there is a big game at home they get ready the fact that we're moving towards double digits doesn't make me pause quite as much in this case
0: one other thing i'll throw in there quick uh, about this game and it's part of why i think the line is so high too people remember last year's big 12 championship game this is a huge revenge game for nebraska where they feel they got screwed at the end of that game if you remember texas got the extra the extra couple seconds to kick the winning field goal so everything just sets up the values there marco's going for
1: seven in a row now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with me and marco and next up we're going to be talking arkansas at auburn Arkansas at Auburn. Marco, what you better be looking at?
0: Auburn's undefeated, but I think this team's overrated. They've been dodging bullets several games. Their Achilles heel is their defense, and that's going to trigger my play in this game.
1: Have you been looking at my notes? I saw you rummage around my desk. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you're absolutely right. Vegas ranks Auburn as the 13th best team in the country. The Associated Press, AP, says seven. Okay? 13 to seven, six spots overrated. Arkansas, on the flip side, Vegas says they're seven, but AP says they're 12. So they're five spots underrated. So you could make the case that you've got 11 spots of difference, six and five, with the plus minus between these teams. And if anything, if you just look at the Vegas side, they're saying Arkansas' seven, Auburn's 13. If you have the superior team getting over a field goal on the road, that seems like value. It seems
0: like value, but I'm going to find where I feel there's even more value. And to me, there's more value in the total in this game because I like this Arkansas offense. They're going to be able to score on this Auburn defense, which has been the whole reason Auburn's had all of these close games this year. Auburn's got an offense that's got a dynamic quarterback that can both run and throw. I see both teams going up and down the field. This is going to be another game that's going to be played in the
1: 30s. Okay, so you actually so let's think about this. If you think that Auburn is overrated, but you think their offense is really good, then that must mean you think the the, the their overratedness is on the defensive side of the ball absolutely i mean they they just look at the games they've played and
0: the points they've given up kentucky went up and down the field last week on them and it's a situation that if and i've watched a few of the auburn games this year they start slow it's like they you know kentucky first drive they went down the field like a hot knife through butter and it seems like this has happened every, every <laughs> Why are, week. are
1: your why your analogies are all food related hot knife through. It's, it, it's a saying. So, <laughs> go
0: ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But it, it's a recurring thing. They they fell behind to Clemson earlier in the year, and then they had to rally back. They did the same thing against South Carolina. This team, you know, shows that they don't panic, and that's something good, you know, that when Which you if they do close, fall
1: behind, that's the thing, is if they do fall behind, you can expect some scoring lay. You can do. This,
0: I will say, when they face Mallet. For Arkansas, this will be the best quarterback they face so far this year.
1: Now, people talk about power rankings. So, for example, Vegas says Arkansas 7, Auburn 13. That's power rankings. But really, a power ranking is a sum of three different numbers. What's your offensive power ranking? What's your defensive power ranking? What's your special teams power ranking? You sum it up, and then you've got that aggregated power ranking. So really what you're saying is you're going a level deeper, and you're saying, yeah, I agree, Auburn's a little overrated and Arkansas is a little underrated, but you're saying, if anything, Arkansas is underrated on the offensive side, and you're saying Auburn is overrated on the defensive side. So if you think about the net result, is you can ex- expect significantly more scoring. And that's a subtle point, is serious wise guys actually often have two or three numbers and then a sum number associated with the team. And if one of the teams or both of the teams is over or underrated on one side of the ball, the play might not end up being a side play. It might be a total play.
0: It, I agree with you, and it's exactly what I'm looking at. But I'm also going to say something else. I think there's a changing of the guard in the Southeastern Conference that for years a lot of people have considered just to be the the best conference in college football. And when you think of southeastern conference football, you know, yeah, you always thought about, you know, the teams of Spurrier and Florida and all that, you know, high scoring. But a lot of the other games where those powerhouse-type football games run the bonnet. this is a different conference. This conference, to me, is looking more like the Pac-10, where it's offense first and defense second. And I don't think the linesmaker is catching up and setting the numbers High enough to cover these games, and you know, and I'm taking a total where we're looking at 60, and I still think there's value there. All right, All right. give us your projection. I have them. This game 38-34. Uh, either way, but that total 72. 38-34. Who's winning? I. This could go. Team with the ball last wins this game. So you have a projection without an actual winner. They're going to go up. You and don't down know. You just
1: know there's a lot of points. to There's going to be a
0: lot of points scoring here. All
1: right. I actually lean more towards Arkansas in this game. And there's one other stat that backs that up beyond the pure value play, which I love value plays. The underdog has won 10-13 ATS. And we talked about the Florida State-Miami game last week, where when you have these big rivalry games, and when the underdog all week is hearing about that they're going to lose, there's an extra motivation. And... And not only has it been 10 of 13, but four straight. And you look what Florida State did last week. That was a beautiful pick we had. But I really do think that by Dog the way, has a big
0: advantage. By the way, I think somebody said Miami was uh, overrated and everybody else thought they were underrated. Yeah, so, that's true. That's yeah. true. Just pointing that out. Well, that's why,
1: <laughs> that's why you're here. It, it isn't that sure, let me tell okay. you. All right. <laughs> now it's your turn to join the conversation in the comments section with me and Marco. And next up... We're going to be talking my Ohio State Buckeyes traveling to Wisconsin. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Number one Ohio State at Wisconsin. Marco, what should betters be looking at? Well, betters are going to obviously be looking. We have a new number one,
0: added pressure to Ohio State. But I was looking at Wisconsin this game. There's been a big line move early in the week, and I think we've lost the value on Wisconsin.
1: All right, so it was six, and now taping on Wednesday, it's four? It's four. So why, initially at six, why were you looking at Wisconsin?
0: Well, we've talked about Ohio State numerous times this year. Ohio State is a team that's fundamentally sound, that generally plays their games, that they play not to lose rather than playing to win. They get themselves in a position to win the game and that's not good when you're laying points. You you need some separation. I think Wisconsin playing at home, a night game at Wisconsin, this is a rare night game, they don't play a lot of night games at Wisconsin, and considering that this team has won 40 of their last 44 home games, you know, and you're getting points, that's very attractive on the surface with Wisconsin.
1: Now the key point is the, the, the drunk better, the guy that I see playing cards at the Blagio, that when he looks at his ticket, he's having trouble focusing six, four doesn't matter. He likes Wisconsin. But really, likely that's where the value was, is if you're going to hit 55, 56 percent, which is the best that professional batters can do in the long haul, which is a huge win over the long haul. You, make, you can become a millionaire hitting 55 or 56 percent is it's going to be two, two-and-a-half points, and it varies based upon the key numbers that it's moving through. But the getting four, it's probably not a stretch to say plus four, if you hit 51%, a plus six, you're going to hit 55 or 56%. So potentially the value is gone.
0: It, it, absolutely, it's gone. But I'm going to throw something else out, and this might be something to be good for added conversation in the forums with this game. The fact that this game opened at 6 and Wisconsin looks like an attractive home dog and the history with Ohio State, do you think the quick movement, we always talk, you know, the automatic thought would be this was the Sharps that jumped all over this number. This is a prime example because it's a nationally televised game. It's a number one ranked team that I really think come game day, you might see some buyback on Ohio State
1: because. Think but but let's it. talk about this now. I agree with everything, or I'm hearing what you're saying. But let's define what buyback is. If buyback is from the wise guys, then that makes that. Then it's certainly not going to be a middle six and four is isn't a middle that they're that they're dying to get. What it what it may be is what you would call a setup. And what a setup is is they know they're going to be betting a high state all along. They bet ten units, whatever that is, 10,000, 100,000 early to bet 50 units later at the better number. Here's why I don't think that's the case, is because Ohio State is such a public, usually when we say, is this a legitimate position, these early moves, we know the early, early moves are sharp. The question is, are they genuine, genuine and legitimate, or are they setups for either a buyback or whatever else? And my point is is that Ohio State is the likely public side here. This is the number one team in the country with a huge fan base maybe because Ohio State hasn't done great in big games, though I've got some stats that really question that premise. Maybe you could say they're not going to be as backed as they typically might be. But still, it's going to be hard-pressed to say, come game day when you go to sportsbookspy.com and look at the bet percents, I'm going to be very surprised. I'd make you a major bet right now that Ohio State has over 50%. Do you want to bet that?
0: I agree that they'll end up with over 50%. But I really do think that the Sharps wanted to I don't think they ever thought this game would get to seven. Because I know you say Ohio State's public, but their history of the way
1: they don't cover as favorites. Clearly they don't think... That the game was going to get to seven, because if they thought it would get to seven, they would have waited to bet it at seven. So what you're saying is they took an early position on a dog, which is unusual, but usually a sign of a genuine position. So I agree they didn't think it was going to go to seven, but it doesn't mean they were looking to buy, they're not looking to um, buy not only get a middle, but, but bet more on a high state, because there's too much risk that the public gets involved quickly on Friday or Saturday. And bet this thing up in a way that they can't. That, that the, the the two point move that they generated through their action, it could get back to six come game day. But but how is that an advantage for the well, sharps?
0: Let me put it to you this way: If I would have had the foresight to break this game down when it was at six and grab Wisconsin at six, I would be running to the book to grab Ohio State at four because of the history of Ohio State in close games. I would love having Five's four or five. Had- and,
1: Five such a debt. Listen, this is listen. We defer to you on things when it comes to middling and when it comes to the mathematics of this. Four, five, and six certainly. If you're laying one ten both ways, isn't some big negative expectation? It probably has a slight. Positive expectation, though five is such a dead number, but it's certainly not something that you're going to risk a lot of money on to set up. You got a point or two of positive, or one percentage point or two of positive expectation at the most. At a team
0: that'll that will settle for field goals in this game, four and six are are
1: workable numbers. I, I mean, listen, yeah, the the well, how's this sound? Is the the mathematics of it just? I guess what we the question becomes is if you knew that if you bet six and you knew it was going to go to four, would it make sense? Absolutely. Uh, Like I said, I think there's probably one or two. And again, I haven't run the numbers. There's a slight positive expectation of this. But you have no idea when you knock that thing down to four is how long it's going to stay at for, And if anything, if I, had to, if I asked you right now, what's the light, what do you think the line, if the Sharps don't get involved, you already said that you think that high State's going to get more than, when I say don't get involved, the Sharps don't get involved for a second set of bats. Let's say they've got their Wisconsin, they don't do anything else. We don't know what they're going to do, but let's assume that. You already said you think Ohio State's going to get more than 50% of the action, correct? Correct. So most likely the line's going to move up. So the question is, if the sharps were going to get, it's probably not going to go to three and a half. No, I agree with that. 100%. So if the sharps are going to get involved, they would have got involved already. They've got their four, right? So if anything, the the trend from here is probably up. But if it seems like the sharps would have gotten involved before, I think if anything, and we talk about line predictions, if you do like Wisconsin, you wait till game. And remember, four is a semi-key number. Four and a half is key. If you can get four and a half to five and a half, it doesn't really matter. If you can get back to four and a half, there's still some maybe there's still some value on Wisconsin. So that's maybe a question for you as the handicapper: Is it four and a half? Do you like Wisconsin? At four and a half, I, no. I, I have this game.
0: I actually all have so it. Give us your projection. Game. I, I have it as Ohio State win in twenty seven twenty three. I have it on four.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So four and a half is not enough value laying. A no, attack. I'm not.
0: To me, half a point, no. But one thing I will say to you, if we're talking about a Pac ten game where they're going to go up and down the field, you know, like an Oregon, I agree with you hundred percent. I would not be that thrilled about the four five six. But when you're in a tighter game, that the defense is going to be a premium. But the total's forty
1: nine, Marco.
0: RJ, we can so sit here, here and disagree no, all day on but it.
1: But what I'm saying, no, stop, stop. This isn't, this isn't a subjective thing, in my opinion. The total represents the projection of the scoring in the game. Now, do you think the total is 7 or 10 points off? Um, I have it right. My total, my projection is right where the total is. So um, you think there's going to be 50
0: points scored in the game? But I think this game is going to be a game that is going to come down
1: to some field
0: goals and some defensive stands late in but the game. But it's a
1: 50-point if you should love the under, if it's going to be a defensive game, just
0: we argue, but more often than not, I'm proved out. I, I proved out that what I'm saying is right. I really believe that these are live numbers with us Ohio because of the way they play. They don't play to put teams away. You get a team up, you've got you've got the seven point game. You know, kick a field goal, go up ten. Uh, I just think Wisconsin will be able to hang around and the numbers are going to be live.
1: No, and, and that's a separate that's a separate matter is if you think a game's going to be close, that's a paradox that has happened recently in the last few years with the line tightening. The NFL line especially gets tighter and tighter. So in one, Jimmy Vicaro, a guy I read all the time, he just wrote an article this week explaining, is the NFL even beatable anymore, even with the best batters? These lines are so tight, is it even beatable? And a lot, some people say yes, some people say no, but the fact is the lines are getting tighter. On one hand, that's bad for the side, the, the 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 eleven to ten better, the guy that's batting the side. Mm-hmm. But if you're teasing stuff in the yeah. NFL, the tighter the line is, the better it is. The better you. it is because you're gaining seven points away or six points away from that line. So if you tell me you think that this is going to be a nip and tuck game and that falling from four to six. Is a viable, you know, is more likely because if you thought Ohio State was going to win by 21, four and six not as valuable. You think it's going to be a t- especially tight game. I think that's a valid point. If I agree or not, it doesn't matter. It's a valid point. If a game is going to be close to the number, then having numbers in the middle around the number is a good thing. Agreed. What you said was different though, and and, and we and maybe it's we agree on that, but we disagree on this, is it's also a premise that the lower scoring a game is, the more valuable every point is. I agree with that point, yes. And... I thought, and that's what it came out as, is you're saying it's going to be a defensive game, and that's these four or five and six would be so valuable. And my point is that we know what the scoring is going to be. 50 is the projection, and that's not a low scoring game. That's every point not as valuable as a 33. Like if you're playing a game in the NFL, the total is 33, right. and you want to tease games with lower totals more. Yeah.
0: So. Maybe the word I should have said is that the identity of Ohio State over the last several years is more conducive to this game being a single-digit game.
1: Agree. And, and, and I would agree with that. All right. Well, I tell you, a lot of interesting stuff. And, you know, I think one of the things that's really illustrative about this conversation with the wise guy stuff, it's not science. It's really art. Is There is no, like we always say, there's no table of cigar chomp and wise guys that's deciding, okay, let's bet it from six down to four, and then right when it's four, we're gonna fire here, here. No. They're competing with each other. They're like poker players playing against each other and they're trying to beat each other and misdirection, etc., And it just strikes me that if they that that it doesn't matter who's right about our conversation as much as thinking it through logically in individual cases like this will help you think the next game through. And, and I think it's something that two sharp people about this stuff can disagree and, and really it, both sides be valid because it's not science. Absolutely. Okay, a um, couple quick points, and we've gone real long here, but this has been fun, is uh, I'll make it really quick. Two quick points. High State, 8-0 on the road against top 25 teams. straight up against top 25 teams. That's awesome. They're 21-6 ATS on the road. This is a professional-level team that travels well. Lastly, Wisconsin. even though Ohio State won, Wisconsin dominated last year. A 22-8 first down advantage for Wisconsin, and they almost doubled Ohio State's yardage. But Ohio State won the game, which they typically do. All right, good stuff. Now, it's your turn to continue this interesting conversation in the comments section with me and Marco. And next up, we're moving to the NFL with my free pick of the year on the Cowboys and the Vikings. Cowboys at Vikings, and this is my free video pick of the entire football season. I love this game. I'm pounding this game. But first, Marco, from your perspective, what should your batters be looking at?
0: Well, the big question, obviously, is how's Brett Favre going to react to everything that's going on in his personal life right now? I think his character, he will bounce back with a big game. And in all honesty, that's the one way to get this distraction away from is is the answer on the field. If he has a bad game, it's just going to get worse.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to get right to it. I love the Vikings here. Really, ultimately, what a handicapper is doing, and, and what we've talked about in all the videos this week kind of leads into this, is he has a power ranking on the teams. We talked about that. We talked about the fact that the power ranking can be a, three components within it, and then there can be variations of that, road and home specifically. Is You say how good's the offense, how good's the defense, how good's the special teams. Now you tweak it for home and away. Is this an especially good home team? Is this especially good road team? Now you can also tweak it for how you play against certain teams. Is you can say, well, this team does really well against running teams, or this team does really poorly against running teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you have your initial power rankings. You can tweak for fundamental matchups. And you can tweak for situational stuff. Hey, this team just played a Monday night game. So, for example, Minnesota might be tweaked down a little bit or would be tweaked down because they just played a Monday night game. And then you tweak for motivation. Hey, if you just came off a big win and you've already, you know, clearly in extreme cases, you locked up a playoff spot, you don't need to win this game. So there's all these factors. To me, when I look at this, this comes down to pure value. Is Minnesota, to me is significantly better than Dallas. I'm not, you know, I, it might be two points better. I'm not so sure this line shouldn't be five. And usually we're talking, well, the real value is two, two and a half points, and three is such a key number. I literally think if this line was five, I still wouldn't be in a hurry to take the Cowboys. So, I guess my question is in your power, who's the better team, right? Forgetting the game tweaks right now, who's the better team? I clearly think
0: Minnesota's the better team and, and here's why. I've got a minute, both teams are at 1 and 3, okay? Obviously, the loser of this game, their season's basically over. But when I look at the Minnesota Vikings, they're 1 and 3, but they've been in all four of their ball games. It's all come down to one possession at the end of the game that they could either win or lose. The difference has been they've had 11 turnovers in four games. That's what's killed this team. And I know this is going to sound like a silly statement, but you know me how I read lines and that. The fact that this game is only one and a half right now for the spread is the only thing that gives me pause. You're going to bust on me, but if this line was four, I would be pounding the Vikings, Cause, And that's really where I think the line
1: should be. And that's the thing. If you don't know Marco, we, we just I mean, let's just put it up in red lights here, is give me the Vikings at one and a half. It's going to be a small bet, but make me lay four, baby, and I'm pounding it. That, for new listeners, that's going to sound crazy. Give us the 30-second
0: version of why. Again, I've made a history success during my career the lines maker reading what he's doing with the line and what he's trying to induce you to do. And to me, if that line would be four, they would be begging you to take the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Now, here's the thing, is you actually have two types of bets. You have your trap bets, where it looks like Vegas is trying to force you to do one thing, you do the other. And then you have your value bets. And the way you've always explained it is, with the value bets, you think you're getting the best of the line, but not because you disagree with the public. And that's the whole thing. It's not so much that Vegas is trying to push you to do something. You just have a different opinion than the public. And Vegas has a line out there, neutral, not trying to push the public to do anything. But you think that... They're off by three points. Dallas seems like the ideal team that you know has a premium on them. They're America's team. They have the number one premium, the most premium of any team in the league. So the fact that this line's off makes sense because it's the Dallas premium, in my opinion. I agree with that. I can't disagree with that.
0: Also, but the problem is here, you've got two teams in total disarray. I mean, Dallas. Is
1: Minnesota in total disarray? With the circus that's going on, I mean, with go- Ma- I mean that's the thing is, is these are pro. You really think they care about Ma- or about Favre's nude pictures? They care about winning. You know. I agree. They care about winning, and I'm it may gonna- be Favre that's emotionally messed up over this. But do you think Randy Moss or the middle linebacker cares? They just want him to play well.
0: They want him to play well, but really, how much stuff can you put up within a given season, given the holdout? The you know, come to camp. Maybe late? I
1: think this is where the Moss thing. I mean, there's this sense, and you still hear it this week, is when the other receiver comes back from Minnesota, this is going to be one of the best offenses oh, in the I league. Agree, I agree 100%. So it, if they can hold on. And the guy that's going to
0: benefit the best out of this is going to be Percy Harvin. He's going to be the guy that's going to be left with, you know, getting the third best guy covering him.
1: It's going to, and, and they just got to win a couple of games before the receiver comes back. All right. Actually, Vegas, I tell you, the thing about the Vegas Oddsmakers, man, they get stubborn. You know, the last few years, they've always been stubborn about USC. You know, they, they might have three losses and they're still ranked number one in the Oddsmakers poll. Well, that guy was is gone now. That was a stubborn. <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> the USC vibes. Um, Cowboys ranked sixth in football by the Oddsmakers poll. ESPN has them 19th. That's right? a big difference. Vikings eighth. So you've got two teams, 1 and 3, 6 and 8, ESPN has them 20. Though, so they're both massively underrated according to Vegas. I agree on the Vikings side, not on the Cowboys side. But still, even if you agree with Vegas in the high ranking on the Cowboys, 6 and 8 means these are close to even teams, slight edge of the Cowboys, At three, maybe you should be, you know, so now let's say Minnesota at home. Now, Minnesota is one of the few teams with a massive home field advantage. I mean, really, that Metrodome is a huge, some believe, the biggest home field advantage in the NFL. So let's say typically their home field is three minus 120 a little bit more than three. Now, let's say Dallas is slightly better, so the line's three. And now maybe say, you know, even money. Now maybe say that the Monday night factor is tweaking things a little bit. So maybe you should be, uh, if you want Cowboys plus three, you should be getting back or you should have to lay 120 or 130. So, again, it's hard to move things a half a point off of three. But to me, at, at truly pick them, it's all value. I agree with everything you're saying, and and I hate to use the phrase
0: must win, and obviously both teams are in it, but i got to say Minnesota's in it even more because they do have a team in their division that is sitting at 4-1 with the Bears. Second, this is a bad stretch scheduling-wise for Minnesota. This is their only home game in a four-week schedule. They played last week at the Jets, and their next two games are at Green Bay and New England on the road. They need to win this game or they're in deep, deep you know what.
1: All right. One last point before I give my official projection here is talking about that legit home field. Last year, Minnesota at home beat Dallas 34 to 3. And what's the main thing about Minnesota's home field is the crowd noise. And this is a Dallas team that just is naturally. High penalty team, not super organized, not super, um, you know, regimented, and that crowd noise, false starts, and all. I think the, the Cowboys are more susceptible than most to the to, to having the crowd noise mess with them.
0: Well, with Tony Romo at quarterback, I would agree with that. I will say one thing: that is the only thing that you mentioned that did give me pause on the Minnesota side. That loss that you mentioned—that was a playoff
1: loss. But we already agreed that both teams have max. Both teams, their seasons on the line here. Once you up to max motivation, you can't. I, Dallas is going to say, "Well, you know, our season's over if we lose." But the fact we lost last year, I'm going to get more motivated. You can only be so motivated.
0: It is just—it is a handicapping. Tool that I do use, playoff oh, revenge is a huge motivator, and we've already had one team cash this year, Arizona against New Orleans. All
1: right, all right. So my official best bet free game of the year is on the Vikings to to roll in this game. I think. I, I again, I wouldn't take the Cowboys at five, getting five. So I think we've got four plus points of value through three here. So, Just please, if you hit your game of the year, please don't text out any pictures of any private parts in celebration. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with me and Marco. And next up, we're talking Sunday Night Football, Colts at Redskins. For free, real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit PregameLines.com. Colts at Redskins, Sunday Night Football. Marco, what should better be looking at? The public's getting excited with this Washington
0: Redskins team. Two big wins back-to-back weeks, but I think they're overrated, and we'll talk about why in this video.
1: Okay, so I tend to agree. I think that everything has fallen really well for them, uh, clearly other than that Houston loss, but I think the beating the Cowboys, as I talked about in my last video, overrated perpetually, so not as big of a win as you'd think. I think the McNabb had that massive advantage in Philly that we talked about the QB after 6 plus years returning to his other team for the first game it's it's now like 6 or, or 6 out of seven or seven out of eight I can't remember and I think Green Bay last week was very injured and that's something that injuries are not accounted for by the public when the left tackles out or that kind of stuff or the running back that's not an all-pro the public doesn't account for that as much but again this was a hobbled Green Bay team they were hobbled going in RJ and I watched that
0: entire game last week because that was my best bet last week and we ran it to 6-0. Oh, you true. may have heard, that's but uh, Washington had all the benefits in that game. And not only, like I said, was Green Bay Heart going in, they had three key injuries during the game last week that depleted them even further. So Washington's, everything's been falling into place for them. One thing that's helped Washington in their success, given all the stuff that we've just said, is they haven't had this before with McNabb. You know, Now they've got McNabb and they got leadership. They don't turn the ball over. This team right now has only four turnovers. They protect the ball. The Colts do the same. They only have five turnovers. So you're going to have a clean game from both teams. When it comes down to it, they both become one-dimensional. Their running games are, just, they, they are lost. They've got offensive line problems. So if this is going to come down to a game where the quarterback's going to have to make the plays to win the ball game, you give me a toss-up between McNabb and Manning, uh, that's not a toss-up right, to me. All right, so
1: let's talk about the Manning factor, because it's actually very prevalent in this game, like most Colts games. One is the Colts are 7-2 and two ATS as road favorites. And again, quarterback on the road. We talked about the Cowboys are likely going to have trouble in the Metrodome. Well, the Colts and, and Manning do really well on the road. Some I've heard a wise guy talk recently, they think their power rankings for the Colts on the road are almost identical to at home. They think they almost don't have a home field, they play so well on the road. Number two, and this is something that uh, Bill Simmons talks about a lot, Manning in prime time. This is a guy that steps up in prime time. He's covered seven of eight in night games, and prime time games. So he loves the spotlight. And I found this one to be interesting. I'm not sure the pertinence. Manning has won seven of nine ATS against Shanahan. So there's something about the Shanahan defense that Manning's locked in on. So I think the Manning factor is really big here. Right,
0: and I'm going to point out what John Q. Public, as I like to refer to all the time, is going to look at games, and what they're going to see is they're going to say, this is not the Washington Redskin team that we've seen in the past. McNabb brings a new dimension, and that's true. They're also going to say, hey, look at the Colts. They're not the same team. They struggled last week against Kansas City, only winning 19-9. to Kansas City was undefeated at the time. They're also going to point out the fact that Indianapolis has lost two out of three road games this year. And that's true. But what I'm going to point out is the two road games that they lost were both division games. Teams they play twice a year, that face Manning all the time, that have had a history against performing but really, well.
1: But hold on a second. We all, well, last week we talked about Belichick and we said when Belichick gets to see you a second time or when he gets game film and it gets to be October, there's all these things that the, the cerebral, the thinking football player has advantages when he has history to look at. Wouldn't Manning have more of an advantage against a team that they play regularly, more than you know twice a year, the divisional rivals? Because here's a guy that's going to know how to bait the defense. Here's a guy that... So if anything, I, you tell me you can have Manning play a team for the first time or the 100th time? If I want Manning, I want him on the 100th time. The difference with that,
0: RJ, and we disagree on these type of theories all the time, but I'll give you an example afterwards. Rivalry games... Stats and strengths don't always play out the way they're supposed to be. Teams just play differently in rivalry games, and there's no question. Houston, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville in Indianapolis. Yeah, but, but, before the, but Indianapolis had beat Houston what, 19 of 20 times before this they year. They did, but they were always close games. All right. They were always close games. Think back in the last 15 years. There's been such a disparity in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. Agreed? Yeah. But how many times have the Browns given the Steelers fits because of that rivalry?
1: I usually think it's an easy game. I'm thinking about Pittsburgh doing flea flickers late in the game when I think of the Browns. But all right, so continue on.
0: I say this, you know, forget those two road games that they lost. The one road game that they played that was a non-division game. They rolled over Denver. I think you're going to see that type of performance in Washington Sunday night. And let's face it, this is the third week in a row for a big game for Washington. You know, how many weeks That's in true. a row can you still be playing? There's got to be
1: a flat spot. Give us your projection. Indianapolis by 10, 27-17. All right, good stuff. All right, continue the conversation in the comments section with me and Marco. And next up, we're going to be looking at the, it's not an exciting Monday night game, but you can you can still bet on it. Tennessee at Jacksonville Monday Night Football. Now, Marco, typically I turn to you and say, what should betters be looking at? I think I've got the stat that betters should be looking at, and you can tell me what you think. Go ahead. Tennessee Titans 1-10 in ATS when they play a team with a winning record. Now, pretty massive number, and here's my rationale about it. Vince Young dominated in college when, you know, really was a great college quarterback. In the pros he's done really poorly against the good teams and the Steeler game this year was a perfect example he got he actually got pulled in that game and to me i think it's analogous when they're playing a team they're superior tennessee's a superior team to their opponent it's almost like college again they're able to do their thing he's loose they get a lead and they do well in those spots when they play a good team tennessee has trouble so That is unequivocally the case. The question is, is Jacksonville a good team, even though they have a winning record? That's the thing. I mean,
0: what you should be able to bet here is there should be a side bet. Do you want to bet Jacksonville Dr. Jekyll or Jacksonville Mr. Hyde? Because this team a literary reference from our hey has definitely been <laughs> Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I mean, they've got wins over Denver, Indianapolis, Buffalo is Buffalo, but they were three impressive wins, and then they got two absolutely ugly losses to San Diego and Philly, where they got totally blown out, never in the ball game. So which team's going to show up? They've scored 67 points in the last two games, which is going to set me up to where I think the value is in this game. I think because of last week's high-scoring game in the Dallas-Tennessee game, people are going to look at that, look at what Jacksonville scored in the last two weeks, and given what's happened the last two Monday nights, and I'll just tell you from a guy that's had a bet on the last two Monday night games, I, I've got sour grapes because I had a seven six game at halftime and a nine nothing game at halftime and had the unders in both of those and ended up losing them. The
1: public's gonna remember that. They're gonna want the over this week. Okay, so why don't you give because I, I want to address a few of the points you made, but why don't you give us your official projection? I think
0: the value in this game is in the under. I think the total no, is. It's Wednesday
1: in- we're taping this. A lot of time before Monday. But right now The
0: total's forty five. I see this game more as a thirty eight to forty point final. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna recommend the under at this time. Okay. So let's talk about some of your
1: points. One is you said that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which really is another way of saying Jacksonville has been a high variance team. Their performance is varied. Steelers, for example, are a low-variance team. You always get a solid performance. The question is, you know, like in the Ravens game, are they going to give up that late touchdown? But And in, in the amazing stat about Pittsburgh, and I, and I keep saying it, and it just keeps being amazing, is since 2009 when the season started, I know I'm getting off track, but it's such a good stat, is they've only been down in one game the whole year. So that's been 20 games, 16 games last year, four games this year. One of 20 games, they were ever, at any point in the game, down by more than a touchdown. They were always either leading or within a touchdown in 19 of 20 games, every second of those games. Now, the Browns was the one game last year they weren't, so I hope that doesn't predict for this week. But Steelers, low variance. Jacksonville, high variance. You do not want to tease high-variance teams. The points aren't as valuable. Jacksonville could win by 20, they could lose by 20. And since a lot of people looked to tease the side and total on Monday night, I thought that'd be a little tip. Okay, Jacksonville is overrated. I agree with you 100%. Vegas agrees. Right now, well, I guess I'm saying I think they're overrated. Do you think they're overrated? I definitely think they're overrated, but I think the
0: reason that I don't see the value there is because Tennessee beat the most marquee team in the NFL, Dallas, last week, that there's some overrating to Tennessee
1: right All now, right. too. So it's, it's a little extra. There's a little premium on the Jags because they're overrated, but there's a premium on the Titans because of the Cowboys game, the way you see it right now. Now, Vegas says the Jags are the 26th best team in the NFL. ESPN says they're the 18th. So there's actually a significant difference where ESPN is looking at the Jags. and these are, This is John Clayton. This is their A guys saying Jags aren't so bad. Vegas thinks they're one of the worst teams in the league. So now here's something that jumps out at me, and I'll let you finish up here, is Scouts Inc., which breaks down position by position with ESPN, they gave eight of the nine positions that they grouped together to the Titans. So think about that a second. Is in the NFL you don't usually see that. Mm-hmm. So, so I find that interesting. And again, Jacksonville though is 18th by ESPN. The, you know, they're experts. It's a very confusing game to me. And again, I think come Monday it's going to clarify itself. What's the other factor or two before we get out of here? Well,
0: the other reasons that I'm looking at the under, besides the obvious that the value's there because I think the line's high given. The last few results is you're talking about two quarterbacks that you want to talk about high variance. You said it. Vince Young's either really good, really bad. You know he he can go up and down on the spectrum. Gerard is the same way for Jacksonville. This guy, I mean, this has been the problem with Jacksonville. Why they haven't gone to the next level? Which many times in the last few years they've been people's dark horse and they've never come to you know mm-hmm. prove that out. I think. Prime time with two guys that have had a history of problems of performing when they need to. You're going to see both the guys have an off game, and their coaches are going to try to protect them and not put them into situations where they've got to, you know, force the ball downfield and make mistakes. That's going to tend to so the. It's under. the opposite
1: of of Manning on Sunday night. You got that. Now, one before we head out here, one thing I'm proud of about in this what hasn't been the smoothest video we've done. But one thing I'm proud of is someone else was talking about the old um, USA Network sports betting TV shows, ProLine and all that. The guys in the suits with the slick back hair and they had a script and they read from the teleprompter and they talked about you know how they're certain of this and they're certain of that. And think about it. Is these odds? You got eleven to ten's tough to beat. The line's going to be off by a couple points. The odds makers usually not wrong most of the time. I mean, think about it. If the odds maker was wrong even twenty percent of the time, that means on a college or a um, college football Saturday, how many games are there?
0: Generally, fifty to sixty games.
1: So in theory, you'd be playing. If there's sixty games, you'd be playing twelve plus games. A, a Saturday if 20% of the games are off, and that's even 20%. So that means if you only bet 20% of Monday night football games, you're only going to be betting what? You're going to be betting uh, less than uh, like three to four a year if you only bet 20%, but you'd bet 12 Saturday games. Now, how many bettors out there do you think bet 12 games on Saturday but only three uh, three Monday night games the entire year? None. (laughs) Uh, So there's a couple lessons. One, the line's oftentimes right. And when we are going back and forth and saying, well, what about this? And what about this? That's the conversation that should be most valuable for the viewers and listeners, because it's the realistic way the sharp people think about these games. And number two though, it brings up another point. Monday night can be a recreational bet. You don't always you can throw a tenth of a unit down and still care if you win or I care if I win five dollars or not. I can promise you that. If there's five dollars on the ground, I'm gonna pick it up. So whatever it is that allows you to watch Monday night with more interest, but bet that differently most of the time, then what you would on a big game, your game of the week on Saturday. I think that's valid, and, and the theoretical guys in sports batting Uh, The guys with the green eye shades I always talk about, they'll say, well, you should only bet when you have a positive expectation of this percentage. And and, and that's all true for your investments, but these are human beings that are betting. And one of the things we try to do a pregame is be realistic about our audience and try to help them. And that's why the handicappers typically have a Monday night pick, because it's an opinion one way or the other, but it's rarely their biggest pick of the week.
0: Right. And one thing I've always said, RJ the fascinating about sports betting sports betting we're here for to make money that's the bottom line everybody agrees but it is also for a lot of people it's entertainment oh for sure and it's the only it's a form of entertainment that if you go to a movie you spend money but you get something for it you have a movie and you got a good feeling this is entertainment. with you a
1: tub of popcorn
0: absolutely but uh, this is a form of entertainment that you can have enjoyment but also end up making money from the enjoyment so you know watch the monday night game enjoy the monday night game have a few dollars on it
1: and you can make some money then you can go to the movie and have that extra large popcorn (laughs) all right now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section and next week we'll be back with videos breaking down the betting analysis on all the biggest games